2021 is just around the bend, and given the many difficulties the country has dealt with this year, I think a lot of us are looking forward to a fresh start in January. Joining us on the Banking Strategies podcast this week is Carl Dahlgren, Managing Director for Research at BAI. He joins us to discuss some recent BAI Banking Outlook survey results and what those results may mean for financial services providers in the new year. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. We're just a couple of weeks from flipping the calendar to 2021, so naturally many are wondering what the new year may bring perhaps with a little more eagerness and a little more weariness than in a typical mid-December. In picking a guest for looking ahead to the next 12 months, we kept things in-house. With us is Carl Dahlgren, Managing Director for Research at BAI. Carl, thanks for making the time to join us on the Banking Strategies podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, Carl, this year has felt really drawn out. Just a long, slow slog. Are you ready to flip the calendar? I mean... After 2020, 2021 has a kind of a nice ring to it, right? I hear it in your voice well. Coronavirus pandemic, social unrest, a divided country, social isolation, educational setbacks, economic downturn, unemployment, kind of a crazy election year. I think everyone is ready to see this thing go. I feel like we're living in a scene from the play of Waiting for Godot or the movie Groundhog Day. Bring on 2021, a vaccine and forward progress are both deeply welcome. Certainly not a controversial statement and something we can all agree on. We can certainly, you and I can certainly agree on it. It seems that 2020 has presented more than the usual array of challenges for the financial services industry as well, and most of them deriving from COVID. I'm thinking we'd have to go back to 2008 to find a tougher year. Let me put it out to you. Put them on a scale, 2008 versus 2020. Certainly, if you're looking at this purely from a standpoint of the economic cycle, your statement's correct. Both periods have brought economic hardship, but they're very different. In 2008, 2009, financial services were really at the center of the downturn with the housing bubble, the mortgage crises, lending standards in question. It was really a tough time for financial services. Bankers were really not popular. Many folks, including politicians, blame bankers. You know, this time around, it's different. It's an invisible virus that's at the center of this crisis. And banks are well capitalized, mainly because of 08 and 09. And they've been prepared. So they've been able to sort of take the hit. And their challenges have been different and more operational. And in some sense, they've been able to improve their reputation that may have been damaged in 08 and 09. And that is that they became a distribution channel for the PPP loans, the stimulus checks. They've really been at the center of trying to pump up the economy and they've played an important role and they've risen up to that role and done a really good job of that. If you were to put these things on a scale, you know, I think that mainly for the world, my personal perspective is that this is probably worse than 08, 09, but banks themselves, they're not in the center of it. They're kind of trying to help things along and they are well capitalized. So I would stack rank it that way. I'd agree with you on that too. In our 2021 BAI Banking Outlook survey, you referred to some of these challenges that they're facing and we see some of the evidence there. 
One of the most surprising survey results to me was when consumers ranked organizations they most trust to handle their finances. In last year's survey, more than 80% of people had banks and credit unions on top. But in the most recent survey, the one this year, that most trusted status fell to just over 50% for banks and credit unions. So that's a huge drop for a single year. What do you think's going on? Are consumers trying to send a message to their financial providers? It's certainly very surprising. It was a huge drop. I honestly think this is an important topic matter for bankers to understand and that it is happening. We're all trying to understand how the pandemic affects things and affects things, that particularly our own businesses that we're in. You kind of stated the facts about you know that drop from 80 to 50. And so we're left with sort of interpreting that. And I guess, you know, my interpretation is that, first of all, trust is an, a bit of an abstract concept, but it involves, you know, predictability, reciprocity, and value exchange. And if we think about the value exchange piece of that, on a dime, the whole economy changed and people were ordering things online for delivery at their front door. And those transactions, online transactions, involve payment companies that are in the space of online payments. And so, you know, I think PayPal was more frequently used now than it was before. And then conversely, the physical world took a hit, right? So banks have branches and people walk into those branches and see a friendly face and that helps establish trust. I think there's some just really practical things going on here, like PayPal transactions going up and physical world transactions going down. That is reflected somewhat in the number that we're talking about here. I honestly don't think most things are going to slingshot back to baseline after we get done with this. There will be some permanent changes as a result of the pandemic, but there's likely some of this that is transitory. So some portion of this will change once we get back to whatever the new normal is. But we do know that that'll be involving branches getting back to opening up and banks being able to leverage the in-person face-to-face transactions and the trust that that builds. You bring up the technology companies, you know, PayPal, you mentioned by name, Amazon probably also in there. On the question of trust in the BBO survey that BAI did, there was a clear trend toward more faith in these non-traditional players associated with tech. PayPal nearly quadrupled its trust score to almost 20%. Apple and Amazon together were another 15%. So looking at the direction of this shift and the gains that tech has been making, what do you think is the takeaway for the traditional banks? I think the takeaway is that don't take these organizations lightly, right? And that the pandemic has had an effect on institutions, the population's trust in institutions. The younger generations have grown up with these companies more so than the boomers and even the Gen Xers. And so they understand technology better. And so as they mature and the wealth sort of gets handed down to them, that's an important thing that banks need to consider going forward. We think about trust as being at the, the heart of customer loyalty. And without trust and loyalty, maintaining a relationship is kind of tough. Given that banking is a relationship business, what are some of the things that financial institutions can be doing or should be doing to win back that all-important trust? Well, that's a good question because you want things to be actionable. And, and so I'll try to you know make this quite actionable. And I think it exists in five different categories. So first of all, create more frictionless customer digital experience. If you look at some of the survey work that we've done, clear, easy to use apps, faster payments and quicker money transfers ranks really high, particularly with the younger crowd. So creating that frictionless digital experience is incredibly important. 
And second, enhanced protection of customer data. With all this movement to online transactions, there's been an increase in fraud. This is particularly an issue with boomers. And even though it's not the banks themselves that are committing the fraud, if they're in the midst of all that, some of that reputation spills over to them. So protecting the customer data is really important to help build trust. And then for many, using customer data is important. I'm in a data analytics line and BAI, and you know, so we're big proponents of using data well and, and just making sure that your offers and your advice is on point for the particular individual. And the way you do that is to leverage the data that you have. And then also be more transparent. I think that's going to happen, particularly as branches start to reopen and there's more face-to-face transactions. I think people will feel there's more transparency versus the opacity of, of online transactions. And then also accelerate customer service. People are impatient these days. They want immediate gratification, whether it's you order on Amazon and it's same day or the following day. There's just, the game has been up by many different industries and it's not just your competition, it's what's happening in other verticals. And I think they're really raising the bar. So prompt, accelerated customer service is going to be really important. So we're seeing trust momentum right now for these non-traditional players we were talking about earlier, the fintechs and the cash-rich tech companies, among others. But I'd imagine they also have obstacles that they're dealing with. What are some of the challenges that the non-traditionals face in trying to compete against established banking institutions? Real obvious one is physical presence, right? Do you trust what you can't see? They don't have the physical presence that the traditional banks have. Years of brand and all the work to build that brand and reputation. As new players come on, they have to build that brand and reputation where the traditionals have that regulation, right? So, I mean, it's not easy running a business in a highly regulated environment and the banks know how to do that. I think the tax are going to steer clear of that regulation. They don't know how to handle it like the banks do. It adds on a layer of cost. And I think the banks are far more proficient there. Three quarters of consumers said their primary bank or credit union understands their financial services needs. That's from a recent survey that we did. So the banks are and the credit unions are doing well there. And on top of that, we asked a question both pre and post pandemic and over two thirds of consumers say their attitude towards their primary financial service organization has actually improved during the pandemic. So there's some positive things for the traditional players and the tech firms would have to overcome those. In this growing competition between traditional financial services providers and the many newcomers in the space and trying to get into the space, what do we know about how things are sorting out generationally? You mentioned a little bit earlier about how younger folks want things fast. They want it now. Can we make blanket statements like millennials and Gen Z want more digital capabilities? They want things faster and maybe older Americans still want to write checks. They still want to visit the branch. Or is this breakdown more complicated than that? I think slicing the data by generation offers important insights, and I'll offer a few of those. I think you got to steer clear of generalizations, right? In fact, you may have mentioned one where you know older Americans visit branches more. Well, not in our most recent surveys, but in previous surveys, time after time, you find out that um, the younger generation is actually visiting the, the branches and the drive-throughs more than the boomers. They just do more of everything. There aren't really stereotypes, but when you ask questions like Gen Z, as I mentioned before, and you just mentioned, faster, quicker payments are super important. Important. Finance is a little bit of a black box for them. So tutorials that help them are well received there. When you ask the questions about how important tutorials are, Gen Z ranks them high. Number three versus, you know, they don't even show up for the rest of the generations. They're very slippery. They're not sticky at all. They're willing to change for a better app. In particular, they like chat. That customer service piece I referenced before, if you have immediate chat, like that's 
something that millennials enjoy and like. And then when you get into the Gen Xers, they really like that data piece that I was talking about, which is you know get the data right on them so that the recommendations that you have on products and services are really relevant to them. And then the boomers, they've had years to accumulate wealth and they want to protect that wealth and fraud is a concern for them. And so any kind of sort of alerts and messaging and training on fraud is very helpful when it comes to keeping the boomers satisfied and keeping them as customers. Let me bring the conversation back around to trust and loyalty, but this time from that generational perspective that we've been talking about. Financial services providers built trusted relationships with boomers and Gen Xers over time. And once that relationship was solidified, it was pretty solid. So do banks and credit unions have the same luxury of time in establishing you know, a sticky relationship with these younger generations? Not really. I mean, if you look at the millennials, when we asked the question whether or not they'd leave for a better app, it was like 47% last year, and it's not like three quarters would leave for a better app. So they're, you know, getting slippier by the year. You know, there's some other questions that we've asked that shed light on this. So there's some disruption in the delivery model in the industry right now. I mean, you see the direct banks, right? All those banks that are coming on the scene that uh, operate without branches. And if you look at, for example, a question about whether or not you prefer to bank with a direct bank, last year, if you start with sort of the youngest generation, Gen Z, and then move up to the boomers, Gen Z was 17% would prefer to go with a direct bank. It was 20% for millennials, 16% for the Xers, and then 4% for the boomers. But this year, like for example, the Z generation, I mean, it's 33% would bank with a direct bank versus 17% last year. So it's moved for every single generation, but not to that degree. And so what you see with the younger generations are that these sort of year over year willingness to experiment with different types of delivery methods, new folks on the scene. I think that with the younger generation, it's just that loyalty is a very tricky thing and there isn't time. And I think that it's something that bankers really need to consider. Back at the beginning of our conversation, when we were kind of laying out why 2020 has been such a difficult year, social unrest, social disruption was one of the items that you cited. And out of that, diversity, equity, and inclusion really moved up to become a front burner issue for financial services organizations. And that includes uh, for us at BAI as well. What can banks and other institutions do over the short term, say in the coming year, to add to the momentum that they've built up in their DEI efforts. I manage an analytical line of business for BAI, and I'm going to gravitate towards the analytics here. I think banks are extremely good with numbers, right? They know how to manage to the numbers, and it's hard to manage what you don't measure. I just think that information and analytics around the progress that they're making in that area relative to other industries and relative to competitors is incredibly important because if they start managing that and make it a priority to influence those numbers, I think that they'll really move the needle. Carl, we've been focusing our conversation mostly on the trust challenge that financial services companies are facing, but let's wrap things up by looking out into 2021. What is another issue or trend that you see shaping up in the coming year that stands to be particularly impactful for the financial industry? At an abstract level, if you think about 2020, right, there was an upslope. We're all talking about bending the curve and looking at the curve, and most of that relates to the number of coronavirus cases. There was this abrupt, sharp 
steep increase in many trends uh, around the March timeframe. And so it's like, what was the effect of pandemic on and then fill in the blank? Now the question is going to be, all right, so that was the upslope. What about the downslope? So the vaccine is, as you and I talk, we're waiting for that FDA approval and, you know, there's trucks ready to go and vaccine is going to be in arms here in the next, you know, 48 hours. And the question is, you know, how quickly will that all happen? And there's an expected sort of I guess the other side of the curve, the downslope. And the question is, how steep is that curve? Is it going to be as steep and as abrupt as the upside in March? I don't think so. And so I think as as we look from a financial services standpoint, you know, I think there's a couple of things that need to be thought through. First of all, we do a lot in, in the area of deposits, and there was just skyrocketing deposit growth in March. Everyone was hoarding cash. And so a big question for bankers is going to be, how quick do those deposits dissipate as the vaccine comes into play? We've been talking about over the course of the last few minutes here, how did the sort of overnight adoption or acceleration, I guess I should call it, of digital transactions affect the sort of market structures. And I think that it played favorably to the more digital players like the direct banks. And on everyone's mind is how steep is the curve and how much do we return back to normal? Because we're not going back to exactly baseline where we were before. The question is incrementally, how close do we get to that and how fast do we get to that? And I think that's what everyone's going to have their eyes on. And it's going to play out particularly in the areas that we look at and who people bank with and then also how quickly those deposits dissipate. Good observations and good questions. Where is that spread between our old and new normal going to settle out? I guess a big factor will be just how much the necessary digital habits of COVID endure once people have more options post-pandemic. So Carl Dahlgren, Managing Director for Research at BAI, many thanks again for taking the time and sharing your insights with listeners of the Banking Strategies podcast. Terry, great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. A few takeaways from our conversation about 2021 with Carl Dahlgren of BAI. Let's start with trust. Our latest BAI Banking Outlook survey found that those who most trusted their bank or credit union with their finances fell from 80% last year to 50% this year. Given what an unusual year 2020 has been, how should we look at that dramatic drop? Carl's view is that we should apply a pandemic disruption discount, but that said, financial services providers should not totally disregard the message. Another thing for banks and credit unions to pay attention to is what the different generations of Americans want when it comes to banking. Gen Z, for instance, has a need for speed and wants more digital capabilities, but this youngest generation also likes to use the branch and the drive-throughs. Millennials and Gen Z also say they'd be quick to swap banks to get a better app. For banks, this presents a formidable challenge in building lasting relationships. And finally, just as COVID dominated 2020, Carl says a major theme for financial services in 2021 could be a return toward pre-COVID as hundreds of millions of Americans are vaccinated for the virus. Questions are many. Among them, how fast will things move and how will the new normal compare to the old normal? One area he mentioned specifically is bank deposits, which bloated during the pandemic. How quickly do those deposits get drawn down? Thanks for listening to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. 
I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please join us again after the new year for our next conversation on an issue of importance to the financial services industry.